This is an MPB Think Radio podcast. To hear previous shows, visit mpbonline.org or download the MPB Public Radio app to listen on your iPhone or Android phone on demand. Okie dokie, folks. Welcome back. Hey, let's let's have some fun. Let's talk about gardening. What's on your mind? Horticulture's fell to rushing, and I'm a so-so gardener. Those of you who don't know me, yeah, I got credentials, horticulture credentials, and blah, 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 blah. But when it comes to gardening, I'm just okay, you know, because I know how to dig dirt really well, over well, too well, plant stuff. I can plant stuff really well, but when it comes to actually producing things like tomatoes, I just don't do that well. So I stick with a lot of easy-to-grow stuff, old-fashioned heirloom stuff, things that, that are native, that grow well without, you know, needing me at all. And uh, the trick is I take things, uh, tall things, short, round, uh, frilly things, spiky things, roundy things, fall, spring, summer, winter, fruits, flowers, vegetables, leaves, roots, whatever, all these different plants that individually are tough enough to grow in a cemetery. These are plants that dead people can grow. And what I do is I pull them together into compositions. You know, you put a spiky thing and a roundy thing and a frilly thing together, and people think you know what you're doing. And, and hey, if you don't have any roundy things, that's what bowling balls are for. I tend to assess, to over-accessorize. Anyway, for the next hour, we're just going to talk about gardening and whatever's on your gardening mind. I won't sell you anything. I won't try to talk you into anything, but I'll give the advice is uh, 40 years of horticulture and uh, way more than that of, uh, of experience at success and failure and watching other people succeed or try and fail and try again or tr- use different approaches. That's my approach. What might work overall? But if you want to do something I think is stupid, as long as you're having fun, let's go for it. Let's be as smart as we can about doing stupid stuff and have a good attitude about it. Anyway, if you want to give us a call, it's toll-free, one eight seven seven mpb ring It was in the 70s when I walked in today. felt good. I got a few little wildflowers along the way, a few things to talk about, an heirloom plant from my garden. And uh, we're just going to kick around some ideas, so give us a call, won't you? Uh, and we're going to start out right off the bat up in Madison, just north of Jackson. Hey, Jim, how are you this morning? I'm great. I'm really enjoying these nice cool weather. Yeah, man. Woo-hoo. Yeah. Um, the um, the reservoir's water department came a couple of weeks ago and dug this gigantic hole in my yard to fix a, a leak in one of their water lines. They finally came back yesterday and filled up the hole with a bunch of just dirt. Yeah, yeah. Well, which is kind of good. <laughs> if it's real dirt, that's actually a good thing. Well, it doesn't have any organic matter in it at all that yeah. I can see, so I'm guessing it's maybe more like construction sand than anything yeah. else. Yeah. But anyway, um, my yard is St. Augustine, and I want to either re-sprig or re-plug. It's not a big area, maybe yeah. four by five feet, but is this a good time of year to do that, or should I make this a pansy bed for the winter and do it in the spring, or what? Well, you know, if it's a pretty area, you know, you don't have to have wall-to-wall carpet. You know, if if you've been given an opportunity to do something different and you're so inclined, go for that. You know, put you a big rock or a, or a, a bird bath or some kind of little hard feature and then plant some stuff around it, and then see if it grows on you over the wintertime. But if you want to get grass started, we're 
would technically pass the recommended time for that because it new grass needs to have time to get rooted and slow down and toughen up before winter, and we're pushing that right now. But an area that big, I think you could pull it off. Um, I, I would definitely go with some solid sod or dig clumps from your existing because there are different kinds of St. Augustine. Dig clumps right. here and there and, you know, dig a clump and throw some of that dirt in, in that hole. And instead of just putting it on top of the ground, actually plant it level with the ground. Right. right. And uh, here's here's the key to, to get it rooted. It needs sunshine, it needs leaves, and it needs water, but not too much water. So you could put it out there, mow it high or just mow it every other time. You know, more leaves, better roots. And then only give it a good soaking maybe maybe twice a week. And let it get dry between soaking so that roots, there is a form. It only takes three or four weeks to get, to get rooted. But those roots will grow down deep if you let it dry out down deep. Right. I've, I've got some leftover bag leaves from leaves from uh, last winter. Mm-hmm. Would it would it help to work those leaves into the dirt that's there that they put back it, in that hole? It would, but St. Augustine grows in just plain dirt. You know, as long as you, again, as long as you don't keep it too wet. You well, know? Yeah, I'm originally from Gulfport, so I know it just grows in sand. So. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, it'll grow in just plain clay, clay, too. The difference is the heavier the soil, the heavier the dirt, the less frequent, the, the longer you have to water to get water down deep, but you have to go a little bit longer between soakings because it doesn't dry as quick as sand does. So that's the key is managing your water down deep, let the surface dry out till his tongue is hanging out in the dirt, then give it another good soaking. But you can pull it off if you get right on it. Okay, I will get on it. And I knew to call the turf horticulturist expert, and thank you for your advice. You know, it's really fun. A lot of people say that I don't know anything about it. I literally wrote the foreword to the best-selling lawn care book in the South, a study at state, but I don't have a blade of grass in my yard because I'm lazy. <laughs> I'm lazy. I don't want to do all I, Heck, I don't even cut my hair. Well, I don't want to show, uh, mow grass. I've driven, I've driven past your house. I know what it looks so like. So you know, you know. Way to go, man. <laughs> Appreciate it, guy. Thank you. Thank Good luck you. on it. All right. Yeah, a lot of people think I don't like grass because I don't have any. Hey, I, I like grass, you know. I like grass. A lot, I work with golf courses. I just don't have time to do it the way it needs to be done in my garden. I'm not willing to put in the effort it takes to have a nice lawn. So I've got decks and walks and patios and, and a flagstone and lots and lots of different kind of plants instead. Because, again, it's about efficiency on my end. Anyway, uh, let's go over to Purvis and talk with Marie. Hey, Marie, good morning. Yeah. Good morning, Father. Hello. I have a question. I have a question about citrus. Uh huh. I have two kumquat, uh, two small kumquat trees, and only one branch produces fruit. Uh. The other two are big, tall branches, and they have strange-looking leaves and big thorns, and don't produce anything. Yeah. Hey, let uh, me. What you guys do with them? Well, let me ask you this: Are those corn? Are those thorns are they long and straight, or are they curved? They're long and straight. Okay. Here's the reason I'm asking, because I actually have the curved version of it here in the studio with you. I'm not making this up. Uh, what's happened is when you bought those trees, Marie, they were grafted uh, because a lot of citrus don't grow well on their own roots. So they grafted onto this tree that's got good roots but not very good fruit. Uh, they, they put the two together to help each other. Uh, the, uh, but the grafted part is a type of citrus that's probably called trifoliate orange. I bet each leaf has got three leaflets on it. 
Yes, they do. Uh-huh. Yeah, that's called trifoliate orange. Uh, it's not really an orange lemon. Uh, when they do produce, they're about they're bigger than a golf ball, but not by much, and they're kind of furry and kind of uh, golden orange, with lots of seeds. Um, and what's happened is is uh, for some reason or another, part the grafted part below the that, that you that you want it was weakened, and part of the rootstock sprouted out. If you follow those those branches with the weird with the long uh, thorns follow it down they're going to be sprouting out down close to the ground from the rootstock and uh, you can just cut those off you just cut them off all right so i just cut them off uh as as long uh, you know as far as down uh, to the dirt well, yeah. F- follow follow those the stems with the with the three leaflets and the big thorns. They're going to come down. They're going to be sprouting from down near the ground or at the ground. Follow them down to where they start and cut them off there. But don't cut off the part that's got the the kumquats on it. Yeah, there's only one branch that is producing the the kumquats. Yeah, it's full of them. Yeah, but the other branches are just. And yeah, that's that's the root that's the rootstock that's sprouting. You know, roses do the same thing. Sometimes a fancy rose dies, but the part that's rooted on sprouts out and just get this old red, generic rose looking bush. But that's all it is. All right, thank you so much, Felder. Have a good day. Hey, hey, oh, well, let me get Marie. Here's something else yeah. you can do. Some of those branches with the long green thorns, you can cut them off and stick them in a little pot and put gumdrops on them for a little like, indoor decorations. They're full of thorns and they hurt. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. I'm saying you cut a little branch off and you stick little little candy gumdrops on each of the thorns. It's pretty. <laughs> it looks like a Christmas tree. Yeah, that's what we did when we were a kid. You know, we could afford gumdrops. But <laughs> anyway, have fun with it. All right, thank you so much. All right, appreciate it. I think she might think I'm kidding about that, but no, the gumdrop trees are real nice. Uh, ours, strangely enough, never seem to have any of the the licorice flavor gumdrops. You know why? Because I ate them. Hey, let's uh, go to let me see to Steve. I can't tell where Steve's calling. Boom, Boonville. Hey, Steve, what's up, man? Good morning. Um, I was going to brag about my tomato plants, but I have a more important question to ask you. I'm living on six acres, mm-hmm. and there is a mixture. I mean, it's it's a real forest and jungle mixture. But I'll I'll start clearing off small areas to do a garden or just try to clear up some. But I have um, I want to make sure I'm understanding right. I have sumac of different types growing on my land, right? And I'm, I understood someone to say. Uh, that there is a poisonous sumac and a non-poisonous sumac. Yeah. What I'm seeing um, is that the what I call the the chandelier things with all the seeds. Some of them go upward, and and on the other ones, some of them hang downwards. Yeah, and but, but that's the, the difference I'm seeing. Okay, but they're both burgundy colored. Yes, uh huh. Those are not poison. The poison sumac, which we, we have a little poison sumac scattered around the state. It's a native plant. Typically, you can find it lo- growing in low wet areas, and it's a small. The the leaflets, you know, instead of being pointed, like you know, each leaf has got a whole bunch of leaves. Instead of being pointed, they'd be more rounded. But get this, it has white berries like poison ivy. So, oh, okay. so if it's got the burgundy berries, then it, not only is it not poisonous, but back in the summertime when those when those uh, seed pod things were, were were fresh, you could rub your hand over it, lick your fingers, and it tastes like unsweetened lemonade. You can actually make a lemonade type juice from it that's got vitamin C. Anyway, the burgundy stuff not poisonous. Okay, well I was I was actually leaving it. I wasn't sure. 
to get it rounded or not, but I was actually leaving it because I noticed the birds love the seeds off of it's it. A, so it's, a, it's a terrific – and not all that, but it's, it's often used as a small courtyard tree in European gardens. I've got one in my front garden. Now, the one other thing I want to point out about this, they, they come as separate male and female. So there will be okay. a, a whole colony that will have those little berry-looking things, uh-huh. and there will be some that have none. That's just male and female. Only the females will have the berry things. But they're terrific pollinators uh, for, for, for bees and butterflies and the little hoverflies and things in the in the summertime. And uh, real good wildlife. for And beautiful, fall, among the best fall color for South Mississippi. They are. They're, they're fiery in, in the fall. And I noticed there's a business in town that actually has a bed of them that they keep pruned. And it looks almost like a tropical plant. It's, it's that a, they've got it's real a, pretty It's pruned. a fantastic Ornamental native plant. The reason a lot of people don't like it, first of all, you normally can't buy it at garden centers, so it doesn't have any real value. But uh, also, they tend to, to 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 send out runners, which to me are just real, real easy to pull up. Sort of like sh- a lot easier than shaving. Yeah, it is, it is shallow to, to pull up. Okay, yeah. I, I appreciate your help. There. Okay, hey, you're paying a lot of attention. Let me give you one more little thing. Look at the different kinds and notice that some of the leaves, the 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 stem of the leaf has got like little wings on it. And some don't. A staghorn and smooth sumac. Two oh, different I see kinds. A staghorn. That's pretty. Yeah. That's real fiery. Yeah. 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 Great. All right. Thank you very much. Okay. Appreciate it, man. Thanks for uh, hey. Thanks for paying attention. Oh, oh, I do because there's a lot of poison stuff around here. <laughs> oh yeah. Oh yeah. All righty. Call me back sometime. Let me know how it works out. Thank you. Okay, we got some callers on the line. We're going to take a real, real quick break. I'm Horticulture's Felder Rushing. Um, there's some things coming up that you might be interested in. In two weeks, we're going to be broadcasting live from the Max over Meridian and then having a socially distanced presentation on yard art, the good, the bad, and the unbelievable. That's two weeks. That's not till October. In three weeks, there's going to be a plant swap. It's officially on because there's plenty of room in outdoor covered areas. A plant swap that's going to be in in, in Hattiesburg. And uh, Nadine Phillips, who lives in Petal, she works at the library there on at UMC. She's organizing this, and it's going to be a lot of fun. Plenty of elbow room for people to bring plants and without having to rub shoulders. Uh, anyway, those things are coming up pretty soon. If you got some events, let me know about them. Be glad to help promote it. Horticulture's fell to rushing. Mississippi Public Broadcasting. We'll be right back. Hi, I'm Walt Gracie. You can now listen to the wild, weird, and wonderful stories of Mississippi with Mile Marker. Blues Archive is a collection of sound recordings, photographs, memorabilia. Join me as we hit the roads of Mississippi on Mile Marker. We get researchers and blues fans from all over the world. Over 70,000 audio recordings in the Blues Archive. You can listen by going to mpbonline.org slash radio or by using your favorite podcasting app. Mile Marker, a Mississippi Roads podcast. Yo ho, yo ho, a pirate's like monkey. We pillage, we plunder, we rifle, and look. All right, me mateys, I don't know how many of y'all are aware, but this weekend is International Talk Like a Pirate Week. Arr. <laughs> you know, I never get tired of pirate jokes because a good pirate joke, if it's not truly awful, it's not any good. But do you know what Java, the pirate's favorite letter of the alphabet is? What is it? It'd be the C. <laughs> I thought it could have been R. No, it'd be the C. I got a. 
bunch of pirate jokes. But uh, anyway, folks, if you want to talk about gardening, give us a call. Toll-free, 1-877-MPB-RING. This past week, I had the, the honor and the pleasure and the challenge of giving a, a, helping a workshop, giving a lecture and helping with a workshop for landscape architecture students up at Mississippi State, a visiting professor type of thing. Uh, they're working on uh, helping a group in Mobile, Alabama, called Africa Town. I don't know if you know about Africa Town, but it's a historic community uh, formed uh, well over 100 years, 100 and something years ago, and they want to put in a community garden that uh, represents their culture, the people who live there, things that they were raised with, uh, things that from their homeland, uh, their ancestors' homeland, but also things that produce well that they can eat and maybe even share with each other. So landscape architecture students are coming up with a, a, a really cool plans uh, to see what they can come up with to have a community garden that serves that community without uh, becoming a real chore, without turning it into a little mini farm type thing. And uh, so this, this is going to be a lot of fun. But anyway, while I was there, I stopped by and visited a guy named Lala. Anybody from Startville knows about Lala's Umbrella Grove. It's right behind the uh, Burger King there on on uh, Highway 12. Lala's Umbrella Grove is a what they call a total yard show. Lots of stuff. Lots of stuff. Takes a tour. The tour is going to take a while, so bring a sandwich. But Lala's uh, got a wonderful little uh, thing that he enjoys in his garden with with uh, little stopping points, things to talk about, music, uh, icons. Uh, I just enjoy it when people express themselves and want to share it with other folks. Okay, let's go to Beckett now. Beckett's been holding on from Poplarville. What's up, man? Hey there. How you doing? So far, so good. What's going on? Good, good. I uh, well, Poplarville is supposed to be the blueberry capital. I had uh, bought a couple of little plants at the uh, Jubilee. Yeah, I'd say two or three years back, and one of them didn't make it. I'm not sure if something ate it or. Two years, it's not even three feet high, and I can't seem to get more than a dozen berries off it every year. And I don't know. I've heard, I've had people tell me that I need, it, but I don't know uh, uh, one or the other. Uh, here, here's here's the deal: one blueberry bush will make blueberries. But not as many as if you have two different kinds side by side. Two, you know, like like uh, tomato and ketchup, uh, ketchup and mustard. You know, go better on a burger than just one or the other. Anyway, you need two different varieties for the maximum production, pretty close to, together. Not crucial, but it's something that that, that you'll notice. Commercial growers, uh, you know, the the the, the tea guys, uh, out, you know, out from Popperville, right. uh, uh, the the uh, they've got. Um, I've drawn a total blank. Anyway, they have alternating rows of different varieties, and that works. But anyway, it's sort of in a nutshell, what blueberries need is a, a moist, acidic soil. You know, and if you don't have a lot of organic matter in your soil, if you've got all sand or all clay, uh, it, if you can work a little real Canadian peat moss. This is the only time I recommend Canadian peat moss as a must. You can use it in potting soil if you want to, but blueberries really like it because it lasts a long time. You could work it in around the roots, and that provides that kind of a, of a moist, spongy, peat mossy type of soil that blueberry roots need. 
Um, and and the other thing is how you prune. Blueberries are going to bloom in the spring on what's out there right now. So if you cut any time from now till spring, there goes next year's berry flowers. There go their berries. So typically, if you want to thicken them up, have more branches, more twigs, therefore more flowers and more berries, uh, do some pruning. Next year, immediately after harvest in late June or July or so, cut the plants back and they'll bush out. With and then you can leave that alone till the next year, or as they grow in the springtime, as the new growth comes on, snip the tips off it to make it bush out. You know how a lot, they have these long skinny branches. Right. If you'll cut those back when they first start growing in the springtime, they'll bush out with several smaller branches, more flowers, more berries. So I guess what I'm saying, if you can work a little peat moss. Throw some mulch around them, you know, to, to make the roots think they're out in the woods. And then snip the new growth in the spring as it grows and the big stuff after harvest in the in the uh, summertime. You'll have a big, full, easy-to-harvest uh, easy plant. All right. And I need to add a second one out there by it, too. Yeah, a different variety. And if you're not sure about that, go to a garden center and get two different varieties, you know, and— yeah, and, and plant three of them. You can plant them almost in one little clump if you want to, but uh, they'll just produce better if you have two or more different varieties side by side. All right. I do have one more question, though. I think we, we do live out in the woods. I think the deer keep getting my berries. Is oh, there yeah. any way to no. keep them back? Nope. Yeah, a fence. <laughs> fence. Any, 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 yeah, a fence and a Marlin 2020, that's about it. But a, the... Oh, the only reliable solution uh, would be a, a three-wire electric fence or a, a good sturdy fence. There, there's no other good solution for deer. There, there's not. If there was, and I've heard them all, I've heard them all from everybody. People swear by it. But I work with people who do this for a living. And if, they, if we had a solution, we'd know it. Good, I got you. Well, thank you so much. Good luck, man. Appreciate it. Yeah, thank you. Take care. All righty. Toll-free, mpb ring. Again, no, Felder, yes, I sir. just wanted to jump in. That was the Pearl River Tea Company. Pearl River. I, I'm and just, I know you've had them on the show before. Well, yeah. J&D I mean, Farms. That's, I say, that's what I get. I, I want to say J&T, but it's Jeff and Don, J&D Farms, Pearl River Tea Company. They also have a huge big blueberry operation. I was down down there this past summer and uh just just un, unbelievable. Uh no, I I'm sorry. Was it this summer? I think yeah, it was this summer. I, I was down there. Last summer you were overseas. Yeah, that's right. That's right. I think we can whew. Anyway, I've got some wildflowers to talk about. I've got some uh, some fruits I picked in, some unusual things to talk about. But let's rock and roll here with with uh, talking about gardening with Karen and Clinton. Hey Karen, good morning. Good morning. Howdy. What's up? Well, I was wanting to try to move a mature blueberry bush, since we're talking about blueberries, mm-hmm. uh, from my mom's yard to my my yard. Um, the bush is probably about five and a half, six feet tall. Um, it's going to be hard to do without almost starting it over. Um, oh, okay. See, blueberries don't have a, a you know a root system like like shrubs or trees or something. They got kind of a, a furry, massy, matty, spongy type of wispy thing. And mm-hmm. uh, and and when you dig it up, you leave the the real important little feeder roots behind, and all that top stuff 
needs those roots. See, so if you right. want, if you want to prune it, I do two things first. Uh, I dig the hole where it's going, and I'd work some real peat moss into your native dirt. Stir it in. You know, don't don't throw it. Take your dirt, dig it a good foot deep and maybe three feet wide, and add three or four shovels of peat moss stirred into that. Okay, do that first. And then when uh-huh. you get ready to move the, the shrub, cut it back to knee high or so. It sounds mean, but that'll balance the top with the roots, and next spring it'll sprout back out like it's never been moved. Right. Of course, I know it's probably too late. I mean, as far as if I move it, I was going to wait to cooler weather anyway, if I do move it. Yeah, you could, but, um, but if you're cutting it back, it doesn't really matter because you're taking all the stress off of it. So I, I would okay. dig, the, dig the hole well, first. Cause the, stress that, is on, the stress is on me. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, I, I would definitely dig the hole and do a good job of that uh, first because that might be all you feel like doing that day. And right. then And then when you get ready to move it, uh, as long as you do it, you know, it, it, if, as long as you cut it back right before you move it, it be easier to dig, easier to move, and it won't know it's been moved. Okay, okay. So, so it, the chances of it surviving are pretty good. Yeah, if you cut it back, you know, they, right. you know, they go next year's berries. But you know, this, they, this they a, have, I have the bush. <laughs> yeah, and here's right. one other thing: the previous caller, it really does help to have more than one variety. Right. Um, well, I have two already in my yard, and they're producing okay. Uh, moderate. Okay. They're, well, sometimes, sometimes you get a chance. Small. Slide down Highway 80 toward Jackson. There's a garden center there that has all sorts of cool variety, and just get one other and stick it in the hole while you're at it. That that way we know there's different varieties out there. That help? Huh, I don't know. By the way, I forgot to mention uh, the caller earlier wanted to know about pruning uh, the suckers off of a citrus tree. If you're cutting a plant back, you know, you're cutting an azalea or a holly or nandy. If you're cutting something back, you don't want to do any of that past the towards the end of August because it needs time for new growth to come out and settle down before fall. So we don't want to do any hard pruning in the in the fall. But if you're taking something off, if you're taking a branch or a twig or a sucker or anything as if it were never there, just completely taking it off, you can do that any time you get around to it. This time of year, watch out for red bugs. But other than that, you can prune branches and suckers and stuff off flush any time you feel like you need to. So now let's go to, let me see, I guess that would be uh, Jerry in Bay Springs. Hey, Jerry, good morning. Good morning, fella. How you doing? So far, so good. What's up? Uh, all right. I got a mystery plant that I've uh, found out in the yard. It volunteered to come up. Uh, it looks like uh, watermelon leaves. It has little tendrils on the vines like watermelon. Mm-hmm. And the immature fruit looks like a miniature watermelon, about an inch and a half, two inches long. Yep. And when it gets uh, mature, it gets a little bigger, and it's lemon yellow. Yeah. There's this, 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 this two common, it depends on if you're from the hills or from the delta, and you not being from either one, you can call it, what you, some people call it plum granny, but it's most commonly called Queen Anne's pocket melon. And I don't know why, why they call it Queen Anne, but it used to be people didn't smell that good, and they carried stuff like that in their pockets so they could hold it to their nose when they were too close to people at church. But oh, yeah? it, it's called it, it's fragrant. It is a wild citrus. It's, I don't remember if it's a wild melon or cucumber or squash, but you know they're they're all related. But if you Google pocket melon or Queen Anne pocket melon, boom, there it is. 
I'll be doggone. Yeah, it's a weird little plant, but uh, but my friend Jesse Yancey calls them plum granny, and I call them pocket melon, but we're still talking about the same thing. Okay, okay. That's okay. And you, uh, can, you can eat them when they're small, you know, if you get hungry. <laughs> you have to use a lot of sugar, wouldn't you? Well, you know, or, or, or whatever, whatever, whatever floats your melons. Yeah. <laughs> anyway. Hey, I got another. I got another one I found that grows on a thorny tree, and uh, it looks, uh, what does it look like? It's kind of like a, a orange, a miniature orange, but it's a yellow fruit. Yeah, a little bit bigger than a golf ball and kind of furry. That's right, I think. Yeah. It goes by every common in the world. Wild lemon, hardy orange, uh, trifoliate orange, Latin name is Ponsiris trifoliata. Okay. And it's a great, got, got big thorns on it, too. Yeah, is it edible? It is, but it'll turn your face inside out. It's so sour, and it's mostly seeds. <laughs> it's really, something else you have to use a lot of sugar on. Yeah, that's right. But they're just right for throwing at squirrels. Uh, okay. See, I'll, I'll keep that in mind. See you, man. <laughs> All right. Yeah, I think I'm gonna I'm gonna post a picture of my trifoliate. I've got one with curved thorns. I'm gonna post a picture for our blog this week. But meanwhile, let's go to uh, to Becky in Meridian. Hey, Becky. Good morning. Hey, Felder. How huh. are you? Fine, thank you. What's going on? Uh, I have two questions, uh, and I want to say I'm excited about you coming back to the Max. That'll we be love fun. The Max, and we love you. We could be broadcast from there in two weeks. I know. I'm glad. Good, good, glad. good. Well, what you got going on? Okay, so I have very, very young, tiny hydrangeas, about 15 of them that I planted back late, uh, early spring. Uh-huh. I've been just trying to, you know, let them survive, keep them alive right. all summer. Right. And they're out near the street, and that's going to be kind of a dark area come Halloween, and I'm afraid they're going to get trampled by trick-or-treaters because we have a lot of them that come to our neighborhood. Uh-huh. What do you have any suggestions? They're, they're kind of spread out and there's 14 or 15 of them and they're, you know, some of them are just maybe six inches high. You have yeah. Any? Yeah. How, how far from the house are they? Oh, probably 20 feet. Put you some sticks out there and run you some some Halloween lights out there and put you a little spooky stuff and just turn it into a, a long line of Halloween decorations. Okay. I can, yeah, I can do that. You, you know, know, and, them and hopefully won't step yeah, all over them. Yeah. You know, it do, you know, you could, I mean, tur- turn it to your, to your, your long skinny Halloween scary scene. <laughs> You know that. You know you could also get some of this low fencing. You know they put out there, yeah. but you know they're going to trip over that because they're little kids and their mask yeah. keeps falling down. Right. You know, or if nothing else, they're going to drag their bag of goodies across it. I know. I've been there. Right. But uh, let me okay. let me let me ask you this: When you planted mm-hmm. them, did you loosen the roots up? Oh, oh yeah. Good. I did. You got plenty of mulch. Yes. Okay. Plenty of mulch. They're 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 spread out under. Two different beds of river birch trees. Yeah. So there's pine straw and there's uh, river birch leaves. How, 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 how far apart are the river birch trees? Um, probably five feet. Oh, I see. Well, I, in, in one in one bed, they're probably five feet from each other. I see a big spider web, big spider web with the giant spider and lights on it. That'll keep the kids away from it. Yeah, that's true. That's a good idea. But accessorize it for the ho- for the holiday. Yeah. Okay. My other question is about 
as you say and my mother says, peonies. Yep, um, right. That's the way so we say it. I, <laughs> I planted some three years ago, and they have never bloomed. They're looking, they were looking so good and healthy this past spring and all summer long, and now they're just covered in brown spots, and they look absolutely Awful. Should yeah. I just threaten well, their lives? Well, let me let me off? let me ask you a crucial question. Did you buy them or did you get them from somebody? I bought them. Okay. Here's the deal. Most peonies. When we call mm-hmm. it. By the way, the peony society says peonies don't grow in the south. I got a oh. letter from them from Hopkins, Minnesota. Peonies don't grow in the south. That's what they said. So <laughs> therefore, we know they got to be peonies. Right. Okay. <laughs> anyway, most of the ones that are sold are are early or I mean they're mid or late season blooming varieties. They're real showboats. Th- those won't bloom in the deep, the lower south because peonies need a long cold spell to set a flower bud, mm. and we don't have enough cold for most of them to do that. The only ones that'll bloom well in the south, the ones you see around old homes and country gardens, are the early blooming varieties. There's a famous one called Festiva Maxima that's white with a little splash of sort of carmine red down in the middle of the flower. Those are early blooming varieties, so they don't need a long cold spell to set their they're there to, to satisfy the winter dormancy. So if you're going to try some, either get them from somebody who's got some that, that are doing well, which is going to be an early variety, or else order some that says early bloomers. Okay. Th- those are the only ones that have a chance here in the, the, the deep lower and the, the, the coastal south. Okay, I'll do it. But F- Festival Maxima is one of my favorites. Then there's a couple of others. I've got, I think, three different kinds. Okay, thank you so much. All right, appreciate it. Have fun. I will. See you in two weeks. Okie dokie. All righty, folks. We got some callers uh, hanging on the line. I've got these wildflowers I'm talking about. Got, I picked uh, uh, a seed, a big seed. It's almost as big as a golf ball off of a native red buckeye tree. Buckeyes are native woodland plants. They don't like full sun. They drop their leaves kind of early, but they make the most astounding show of red, big spires of red flowers like salvias on a tree. In the late winter, and they're hummingbird magnets. They're what hummingbirds follow from the Gulf Coast all the way up into Canada. They follow the Buckeyes. Anyway, right now they've got great big chestnut-colored seeds. You can put one in a pot this weekend. It'll be six, seven inches tall before fall. Buckeyes, great native plant. We're going to take a quick break. A little bit of music. Come out with your phone calls here at Mississippi Public Broadcasting.
Okie dokie, folks. Welcome back. Horticulture fell to rushing. Taking pictures of wildflowers. I found one that's a little wild native narrow leaf sunflowers in bloom right now. Got a frilly plant that's called boneset. It's about, oh, chest and head high. Lots of fluffy little flowers. And my first goldenrod blooming in my garden this year. I love goldenrod. It's one of the best pollinator plants in the garden. Uh, if you stick it up your nose, it'll tickle. There are a few people who are allergic to uh, to zinnias and sunflowers and things like that, but the vast majority of people not allergic at all. What makes me sneeze this time of year is the, the ragweed that's starting to blow in the wind. But uh, zinnias, sunflowers, marigolds, goldenrod, all in the same family. And it's got real heavy, sticky pollen. So if you might be allergic to those kind of things, just don't stick it up your nose. Anyway, um, I also have this trifoliate orange, this uh, little hearty orange about the size of a golf ball with lots of thorns. Great ornamental plant. And um, I snipped those from a yard just to do my little show and tell. Let's go to a Riv, who's calling from south. Uh, I'm not sure where, where are you from. Where are you from, Riv? Uh, it's Rip, R I P. So oh, I'm from Oxford, yeah. uh, but I'm moving to New Orleans today. Woo! Uh, by the way, it's New Orleans. Uh, what? New Orleans. New, no, New, New Orleans. New Orleans. So I've got uh, <laughs> a lot of bonsai trees, you know, yeah. the, little, the little tiny Mr. Miyagi trees. And yeah. I've got several native species that I got from Oxford, which was 7B. Yeah. Uh, like, uh, my, my question is, when I'm moving to, like, a warmer climate, so I think uh, New Orleans is going to be, like, a 9A, perhaps. Yeah, don't, uh, don't, don't worry about that so much. That's more, if, if it's dramatic change, it's more of a problem going from south to north than north to south. Okay, so, like, some of my trees that aren't native, uh, like, uh, I've got several Japanese black pine, trident maple. Yeah. Um, I'm kind of curious, like, uh, when I would look at their USDA zones, like, nine is kind of like at the top and maybe a little bit. Are they going to make it if they don't get cold enough in the winter? Yeah, because uh, New Orleans is still, uh, you know, we still have fall. It's a little bit later, but, you know, it'd be a problem if you're moving to central Florida that doesn't have any kind of frost or anything like that to make them go dormant. Uh, You can also, if if it's possible to have them where they get, like, morning sunshine protection from hot afternoon sun, it won't stress as much. But in general, it's not that, it's not as big a deal going from Lafayette County down to St. Charles or whatever Perry said is down there. Um, And, you know, one thing you can have more trouble with is because New Orleans is in kind of a a bowl, it gets steamier, um, you know, you you may have to to protect some plants from hot midday sun that they could take up in in Oxford that they might not take where it's so much radiated heat and, you know, it stays warm all night long because it just is a heat sump is what it is. And like so, my Japanese maples. Yeah. So, uh, and, and by the way, Japanese maples, they grow in full sun in Japan. Been there, seen that. In Canada, they grow in full sun. They'll grow sun just about everywhere, but they prefer light shade in the lower and coastal south. So if you'll make you a lattice house, you know, just something to give them a little bit of shade, some, some filter sunlight, just a little shade, uh, they won't stress out as much from all the retained heat that you can have all night long. Gotcha. Well, 
hey, if you're ever in uh, Oxford, Mississippi, we had a club, Oxford Bonsai Society. You ought to check them out. All righty. We used to have a, a couple of members here in the Jackson area. Uh, I've, I've photographed. I have a picture of a bonsai I took in Tokyo that had been in the same family for 70 generations. Wow. Yeah. It, it, looked, it looked like it, too. It made me feel a lot better looking at a mirror. Thank you so much, Felder. Yeah, one, one last thing. You can find yeah. a lot of cool plants down there at the bonsai that wouldn't grow in in, in Oxford. A lot of cool well, stuff. I, I've got a wisteria that I got from uh, that I cut from across the street that has been doing amazing. It's blooming and everything, so I'm hoping I can find something like that down there. Well, just keep in mind, there's a lot of cool little tropical, subtropical plants that make terrific bonsai. You know, you could bonsai bougainvillea vine down there. Couldn't do that in oh, Oxford. Yeah. So anyway, you can have fun. I can't wait to to hear uh, who all you meet down there because there's going to be some fun folks doing that too. Well, thanks so much. All right. Good luck on it. All righty. Let's see. Now we're going to go to Jamie and Meridian. Hey, Jamie, good morning. Good morning. How are you this morning? Pretty good. Not so bad. What's going on? Well, about 15 years ago, we bought a couple of Meyer lemon trees to plant out in our field. Mm-hmm. About five years ago, after they got big and tall and didn't produce the first lemon, my husband told them that if they didn't start producing, he was going to drive the truck down and jerk them up by the roots. That worked for me. Straighten well, me up. <laughs> they started producing that year. Well, over the past five years, we will have anywhere from... 60 to 70 softball-sized lemons. Mm-hmm. But they don't turn yellow. They don't ripen until almost October. Yeah. And they're kind of bitter. Is that normal? Sort of. Uh, yeah, I'm assuming that, that I mean, they're, they they look like real lemons, right? Oh, yeah. Okay. Uh, the reason I'm saying because, because, you know, and because there's people out there who are, I don't want to get into this global warming thing because some people think I'm an idiot because I believe in science. But because of that, we're able to grow stuff further north than we used to be able to. you know. And so that's one of the reasons why we haven't had really hard, hard winters in a long time. We're seeing stuff growing in Meridian that 20 years ago would not have had a chance. You know, They just don't grow that far north. Period. Full stop. I've been doing this a long time. So they're going to still be a little confused. They bloom in the wintertime, and a late frost can get their flowers, or it can interfere with the pollination. But also, they may not get the... the, uh, the mm, it's a, I'm, I'm starting to get conf- I'm confused myself about plant physiology. Let's just say they're not going to grow as well as it would if they were in central Florida because of the sunshine, the temperatures, the rainfall, things like that. Right. Nothing you can do to speed it up. Nothing. Right. One th- one, well, I, 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 let me back up. If you were to prune the plants in the wintertime, thin out some of the, the branches, thin out some of the twigs so that the trees have f- f- smaller fruit load, what's left on there will get the sugars and the energy that were going to what you cut off. Commercial growers do that all the time. They thin their fruits to keep their trees thinned out so they don't produce the maximum. So what's left gets all the goodness. So we need to prune those and thin them out in the wintertime after the fruit's gone. 
Yeah, yeah. And, and, and I'm not talking about cutting it back like you would a, an azalea or something, but just thinning stuff out. Just take, you know, you got two branches close to each other, lose one of them. You got okay. a, uh, you know, you got a couple of limbs that are crowding each other, lose one. Just, in other words, just thin it out. So my previous call was talking about bonsai, where you take a plant and you keep it real small by thinning stuff out. Right. We're talking about overgrown bonsai. Okay. And uh, you know, and give that a try. A little bit of fertilizer in the spring. Hope for a mild winter. Hope for for a good summer. But thinning out is about the best thing you can do to help what fruit is left. Okay, wonderful. Good luck on it. Thanks so much. <laughs> okay, appreciate it. Mm. Oh, I have changed. I got to tell you, ten, fifteen years ago, I would never even want to entertain a call about growing citrus outside in in uh, Central Mississippi. Just wouldn't have thought. Of it. But I'm seeing a lot of weird stuff going on right now. So anyway, let's now go to uh, Lori calling from um, from oh excuse me, William from Oxford. Hey, William, what's up? Hey, Felder. Uh, I just had a quick question about uh, radishes uh, mm-hmm. not developing properly. Um, it's probably my fault, almost certainly is, but I, uh, took a little bit of a gamble. I planted them a little bit early, about mid-August, um, which is the first mistake. No, no, um, no, you, you, you can do that. You can, they, they grow quick enough. Okay. But, uh, let well, me, the, it's not ideal, ahead. you know, September, I just planted my beets and carrots and stuff and I don't even eat beets, you know, or, or and I can buy carrots cheaper than what the pack of seeds costs. But here's the deal with, with radishes, beets, turnips, any kind of root type crop. If you don't thin them out, they're not going to make the little root things. And uh, mm-hmm. I, I spent a, a few minutes the other day on my hands and knees in tiny little carrot, tiny little beet seeds, pulling them up, just leaving individual plants every two or three inches. Okay. And, but, well, but, if you don't do that, they just, it's the same thing with turnips. They just won't make. Mm-hmm. Well, these uh, it's, it's really interesting, uh, these, these radishes I grew. Uh, I did thin them out a, a little bit, but perhaps not enough. Um, what I did was... Uh, what they did was they just developed length of root rather than the bulb uh, yeah. shape of the root. And uh, the soil I'm growing them in is it's a mix of uh, garden soil from the from the from the home center, uh, compost, sand, a little bit of the native clay. Um, yeah, I have. Yeah, more, um, more clay, but, more clay. Yeah, more, they, more clay. Yeah, they they grow better in dirt than they do in potting soil. Um, but uh, a, a couple of things. It's not by it's not by no means too late. These things will produce in in uh, uh, in a month, month and a half. So mm-hmm. you know you can start there, but so you see, it's real thin. Uh, when you water them, water right at first because they're they're small plants. You need to keep them alive. You know, you need to water them a little bit frequently at first, but then gradually wean it off to where you water deeply, and then let the surface dry out. So roots have to grow down. They have to have air and moisture down deep to grow good roots. So if you're keeping hmm. it wet all the time, they can stay right there on the top. Okay. Uh, also, because you're watering a good bit, the fertilizer washes away pretty quickly. So, uh, you know, it's called top dressing. When you go back and after they're up and start growing two or three sets of leaves, give them just a really light sh- extra shot of fertilizer to replace that that's washed away. So thin them out, keep them moisture that come up, then water them deep but not often, and a little bit of extra fertilizer. And, you know, that's that's the best you can do. Okay. You, you well, like radishes? You, you like radishes? I, uh, they're okay. I like them pickled more than anything. I'm hoping to make a good bunch to pickle and uh, keep for the winter. But, try uh, try, so try this. 
try this. Go online and Google one that's called uh, uh, Cincinnati Long Red or Cincinnati Cincinnati Red Market, or it'll have probably Cincinnati. It'll have Long or Red or a combination of those in there. It grows right. like a carrot. Uh, Long Beach, Mississippi on the coast has radishes on its city flower because 100 years ago they were one of the nation's largest producers of radishes for people to <laughs> nosh on at bars. And this this radish is not hot. It's not. It tastes like a radish, but it doesn't have that that doesn't make your lips tingle like re- re- regular do. But anyway, it's from wow. seed to harvest about 30, 35 days, and they'll they'll be like uh, small carrots. And, they, and and oh, I know they grow in Oxford because I got some seeds to one of the uh, local uh, produce folks up there, and they grew a whole bunch of them uh, just for, you know, for, for my pleasure one time. Huh. Well, thank you very much. I appreciate that. Okay. It, it's not as – I did a lot of talking just then. It's not very much. Thin them out. Don't keep them too wet. A little extra fertilizer. Okay. And try I again. I appreciate it. Oh, yes. <laughs> yes. <laughs> All righty, man. Appreciate it. Thank you so much. Thank you. All righty, folks. Uh, starting to wind down towards the end. Uh, I don't have the piece of, I, I, I don't have the guy's name. It's in the other, the the envelope. And I just got a whole packet of bumper stickers. It says yes, November third is Mississippi's proposed new flag. And uh, this guy sent me. He had a bunch of bumper stickers uh, uh, set up. Uh, and he sent me a bunch to share with folks, and I'm going to be sticking these all over the place. The Magnolia Flower on the Magnolia State's flag. Uh, yes, on November the 3rd. Hey, let's go to Flowood and talk with Lori. Hey, Lori, good morning. Morning. How are you? Fine. What's up? Uh, I was wondering, my neighbor raises rabbits, and she gave me two Walmart bags full of rabbit poop. It doesn't have the hay or the urine in there. It's just a little pellet. Yeah. But uh, how... I don't know how much to use or if I could just keep it and store it till till spring. Or I'm just not sure how to use it. Yeah, uh, any kind of manure, whether it's rabbit or, or chicken or horse or ostrich or whatever, it, it the way it works is microorganisms in the soil breaks it down into fertilizer ingredients. So it takes a long time. Manures are slow to work. See, so, uh, it, you know, you can put some out now, but it's going to take a while for it to start working, or else you can store it in a bag and put it out next year. But, you know, they, there's not a fast response like you do to to, to treated fertilizers. Oh, okay. Um, see, okay. So, so if you're going to put it out now, we're talking about outside, right? Sorry? You, we're talking oh. about out, outdoor plants? Yeah, yeah, and I was that you could yeah. put it out. You didn't have to compost it. Yeah, that's that's right. If you and I don't, I can't tell you how much to use because I I think in terms of pounds, and I don't know how much a bag of your fertilizer is going to. But uh, I want to say that there's something like three, two or three or four percent nitrogen. I I just don't remember that looking it up. But you could put like a. Uh, I tell you, what, shoot me an email. End of, end of the program, I can't do math in my head, but it ain't much. It's just a light scattering. And if you put some out now, it'll help plants that are growing into the fall and early winter. Uh, but if you put it out in the spring, it'll help stuff in the summertime. Oh, okay. It's a slow response. I just can't do math in my head, period. But I can tell you, if you shoot me an email, i tell you how much to use. Oh, and I know we're short on time, but I'm outside right now. What are these tiny little white flies? over everything right now they call white flies <laughs> uh, it's a it's i don't remember it's a moth or what but you know you hit a plant and a cloud of them come up 
Yeah. Yeah. Uh, they suck sap out of leaves. If you can live with them, they're not as big a deal as people think they are. But if you were to use an insecticidal soap on the underside of leaves, that'll control them without killing pollinators and stuff. But I just, I just take my glasses off and they disappear. All righty, folks, Horticulture's Fell to Rushing, me and Java Chapman and all the folks here at Mississippi Public Broadcasting wrapping up another garden party. Going to be same time, same place every week, rebroadcast on Saturdays. In a couple of weeks, we're going to be at the Max in Meridian. A week after that, we're going to do a plant swap over in Hattiesburg. Details about those coming up next week. Meanwhile, if you get a chance to take a kid to a farmer's market or a garden center, do it. Do a field trip. Show them the cool little things you can do that make it easy for us to do what we do best, and that's get dirty. See you all next week.